0: Hello, I'm Kristen Perisonotto. And I'm Hannah Ferguson, and we're co-founders of Cheek Media Co. This is the Weekly Cheek Podcast.
1: People still do that now. They still identify that you're a muscular person. Like, yeah. You still feel like you have to justify yourself all the time, but that's literally ha- like your body.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was trying to make you look impressive, <laughs> and you've literally
1: just shat on yourself.
0: Okay, welcome back to the Weekly Cheek Podcast. Welcome. I feel like you're really far away from me today. Oh, that's okay, I guess. COVID safe. COVID safe. <laughs> um, by the way, if you're not watching us and you're just listening, we do upload our video podcast to YouTube if you want to look at us. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and then if you do, you could have seen what Hannah's face did just then. <laughs> um, okay, so. That was such a fake love, I just did. <laughs> Um, today, we're going to be talking about professional sport. We are. And athletes. Kristen? Yes. Are you an athlete? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so, I spoke about this in a previous episode about about the bikini briefs. Yes. Um, so, if you haven't listened a few episodes back, we did one about the... European handball. Yes, beach handball, which is not beach volleyball. Yes, it's not. Okay, so you're You're absolutely correct. Yes, I mean, only an idiot would get (laughs) confused. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I didn't know basically that whole episode that we're talking about different sports. Anyway, um, but I was a competitive powerlifter for a few years. So powerlifting is not a professional sport. I never got paid for it, but um, I will like. Draw upon my experience. Doing you competed that.
1: overseas. You were pretty hardcore. No, not I'm, I. Every time I bring, like, whenever I engage in this conversation with you, and I just say a fact, you're like, you're fucking making fun of me. <laughs> like, you should see Chris. It, I would recommend you watch this video and you see how uncomfortable Kristen was when I. She was like, "Wait for me to start pissing myself or something." You did. I did compete overseas. And And You weren't going to say it, so I was going, like, oh, well, we need to acknowledge that this was quite serious. You did this for years. You had coaches. You had... Like, it was a serious...
0: Yeah. I wore green and gold. And I... Did you? Yeah. Again, you were like, fuck, she's going to start laughing. I've got an Australia tracksuit upstairs. That's sick. And I got... I came third as well, just saying. That's not overseas. Where did you compete? Was it in... New Zealand. Christchurch. Yes. It was, like, the... It was Oceana Championships, so people all over. That's a big deal. That sounds like an important competition. Thank you. As a junior powerlifter. In the 72 kilo weight division. What is powerlifting? So powerlifting is not Olympic weightlifting. Powerlifting is not in the Olympics. It is a squat, a bench press, and a deadlift.
1: You have to do all three?
0: Yeah. So the competition basically goes like everyone does the squat, then everyone does the bench, and then everyone does the deadlift. You get three goes at each lift. Mm Like with Olympic weightlifting, they go up. Um, And then at the end, you can medal in your individual lift. So you can medal in the squat, the bench, or the deadlift. And then there's also an overall medal for your total um, with, like, obviously all the weight added together. Right. Yes. What did you lift? (laughs) Sorry, you don't have to answer. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't remember what I lifted at that specific competition, no,
1: just generally. Um,
0: but in like my best performance ever was the comp I did after that. Um, it was in 2017. I squatted, I think 135. Um, I benched 95. I have, I have benched hundred kilos in competition mm-hmm. before and my best deadlift was 180. Fuck. My best total was 400. Flat, nice. So, um, and sorry, I'm not very. I don't actually remember. Like, I used to be able to remember every lift that I did, at every competition, but I don't remember anymore. But those were like, those were my best lifts total. I'm pretty sure my squat was 135. I, I couldn't
1: remember. lift a grocery bag above my head
0: if you asked me to. <laughs> well, uh, powerlifting has no above head. <laughs> I was trying to make you look impressive and you've <laughs> literally just shat on yourself. <laughs> I could lift a grocery bag above my head. Um, and I know, I know I'm, being, I'm kind of being weird about it because someone once, I accidentally once on my Instagram where I used to document my lifting, I accidentally made a wrong claim and I said, oh, this is the heaviest I've ever done for whatever. And someone literally like came into my DMs and was like, no, three years ago you did this, so that is a lie. So that just gives you a little taste into how fucking toxic. The and culture. That, and this was, okay, look, I don't want to be disrespectful because powerlifters do work really hard, and I worked really hard. I used to train six days a week. I was at the gym for like 15 hours a week. But, like, the culture is really, really toxic in a lot of places. Not not every place, but, like, a lot of powerlifting culture is really toxic. And that is not even, that is an amateur sport, so, whenever I approach professional sport, I'm like, that wasn't even anything. Like, no one in the fucking world cares about powerlifting, truly, unless you're a powerlifter. And this is how much drama and bullshit went on in it. So, just imagine, like, swimming, tennis, fucking football, like, mm-hmm. gymnastics. Imagine. Yeah. So, what you want to talk about today...
1: um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is essentially like as professional athletes and in professional sporting culture, um, the bodily autonomy that athletes have, um, and how that culture affects their ability to make decisions about their own body.
0: Yes, right. Shall we talk about the thing that sparked this?
1: Yeah, go for it. So a few months ago. Yeah, no. So it was the it was between the French Open and Wimbledon. Yeah. Um. So we're talking. I think now it was two to three months ago. Two to three months ago. Maybe I think it was less. Actually, we're being dramatic, but yeah. Um, Excellent. Ash Barty won something. What did she win? Ashbardi won Wimbledon. Yes. And that's, at, she was, yeah. And she won Wimbledon in the women's singles. Yep. And before that, at the French Open, she had, um... But she, well, the word is quit. But she had basically stopped because based on an injury that she sustained at the French Open, and then she went on to win Wimbledon, which was yeah. the next major competition, the major, yes. the next grand slam. Yeah,
0: and the injury was to do with her hip. Yeah, and basically after she won, there was a news story that came out, um, and I don't think the story was about this, but it was part of it. Was basically that her team had made the executive decision not to tell her ahead of the competition how bad her injury was. And they didn't really put in heaps of details. Um, I don't think the details are particularly important. I think the
1: reference, I think it was because when she won Wimbledon, a lot of it was, you know, I think when she won Wimbledon, it was probably the most we've ever heard about um, an Australian woman winning Yeah. In the sport. Like there was so much content everywhere about Ash Barty Mm -hmm. because everyone loves Ash Barty. Like she's probably one of the most loved sporting figures in Australian history. Yeah. Um, But it was interesting because all the articles were like, you know, she's the little girl from Ipswich, like it was very much that sort of culture. And, you know, the injury bit was always like a little paragraph in there. Like, and she also won
0: because of this, like despite all the, against all the odds sort of vibes, right? Um, But it came out that she was not aware of how severe her injury was, Hmm. slash was not aware of what playing at Wimbledon could do. Yeah. how it could
1: impact it and make it worse. Right. And I think you were really concerned um, with the ethical decision-making around that because, you know, so you're lying to someone about their own body mm-hmm. to ensure that they, it's almost like um, to ensure that they don't—they aren't in the mindset of they have an injury to give them a better likelihood of winning, right? Yes. And that runs the risk of like, well, you're actually just not telling someone about, you know, the physical structure of their body and the damage that they could do.
0: And you're not allowing someone to make their own decision about their own body. Mm. Um, and I think that that is a bit of a simplistic way to look at it because Ash came out and said, basically, like, all good, don't worry about it. Like, she was not perturbed or bothered by this. Right. And she basically said you made, they made the right call. Um, but the way I read it, and I don't want to make this about Ash at all, this is just, this is my opinion, is like, who are you to make a decision about my body? Like that's how I would feel if I were in that position.
1: And it's interesting because even one of the most loved sporting people and teams, essentially one of the most successful in Australia, um, that happens in. So I guess what it sparked for you was almost like a thought about how deep this runs Mm -hmm. in all of sporting culture and how coaches, managers, the strategy behind the player or Mm -hmm. the athlete – um, can dictate and make decisions much far beyond what happened with Ash, because yeah. I think that was in good good faith. And um, and again, I don't agree with it necessarily. I don't know the ins and outs of it. It's not about that. It's just an example. Um, but it's about like, well, how deeply does this run? And like, how ethical
0: is professional sport? Yeah, and I don't think it's ethical at all.
1: See, this is interesting because as someone who's purely a spectator, besides my <laughs> Division three social netball premiership plus season goal shooter, Hannah Ferguson. I will tell anyone that will listen. Um, besides that, I think that, like, I don't have experience with professional sport at all. Like, I'm definitely a social player, but I love watching sport. Mm -hmm. Like, I think from a young age, I, I mean, my family is very, I mean, we weren't sporty, but we watched a lot of sport. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the Olympics. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the differences between rugby union and rugby league. I can, like, I know, I I know sport. I know a lot of rules. I know how to identify the difference between volleyball and handball, Wow, impressive. It's spicy comment for <laughs> me. I didn't realise that was going to be... Like, I didn't know that was coming out of my mouth. Um, but, like, sure. I consider myself to be quite aware of sport and yeah. enjoy sport and know a lot about it.
0: Yeah. Whereas I'm, the, I'm literally the opposite. Like, I don't consume any sport. I couldn't tell you the difference between... League Union and even AFL. Yeah, I believe they're on a different size, shape of field. Yes, good job. That is one yeah. of the one million differences between <laughs> AFL. And- <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't really tell you from a from afar. Um, and I don't. Yeah, I don't consume any sport. Not even women's sport, which I wish that I could. But I just don't care. Sorry, no offense. Um, but I have participated in something that I believe to be a fraction of what it's like to get, of what it's like yeah. to be a, a participant in professional sport. Is that why you don't care? Because you've competed and you've seen it? No, I didn't care before. Nice. Um, <laughs> I thought so I very to clarify. Yeah, but I mean like my opinion comes from what I saw in it. Yes. Um, and also just my general distaste for like how obsessed Australia is, particularly with footy. Like I've always found that like so, but oh, agree.
1: And it's one of those things where, like, unfortunately, I know the rules of NRL and and union and the differences because I, it was forced upon me as a child. Like, I went to a lot of games, I watched a lot of it on TV because it was the thing we did. Yeah, you know, it's not like. I was sitting there like, Oh, please mum and dad, let me watch the wallabies game. Like, fuck off. I was like, Can I put on Frozen now? No, I'm not that old. I'm not that yeah. young. Um, it was just like, Can't we go to the movies or do something else as a family? No. The um the blood is low the blood is low cup is on. Right. Like that's that's it. Um there's no questions There's no nothing that's it's just over conversation <laughs> ended. I know those things cuz it was forced on me yeah. and now I'll know them forever. And I thought it was I also think it's one of those complexes that you have in high school as a female that um knows things about sports It's like it's like a weird flex like yeah. I'm not like, not other, girls. Girls. Yeah, not like other girls. Me. Yeah. Not like other girls. I wish I could eradicate those. I wish I didn't know the rules. <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> Get a lobotomy. Such a pick me energy. Like. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went in high school and like maybe a few years out, I would pretend to care about the state of ocean every year because it was like a social thing. It was like an excuse to go and drink on a Wednesday, all that stuff. But I quickly moved past that and I was like, whatever.
1: I just think like the culture that exists behind especially football um, and the things that are like, uh, let's slide um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, Instances of domestic violence, the drinking culture, the gambling culture. Like I think that everything that exists behind prefe- like, especially male sports, dominated sports like footy, especially in Australian culture, mm-hmm. are extremely fucking dangerous.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and they do and they they actually ruin people's lives. Not saying that because of the football there is gambling, but like because it's of the a football, big part. there's gambling. <laughs> yeah. Like I just think and again, like I think so many sports are unethical. Like, I will never go to the horse racing yeah no i will never do those sorts of things mm-hmm. um but then again like as a child i remember i my first bet i ever put on was for the Melbourne cup right i won four hundred dollars wow i know flex That's weird pretty good. why am i flexing that now i'm like <laughs> i put that leave the horse
0: ponies alone <laughs> i'll donate it back
1: yeah i was always like i was never going to be a jockey So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you don't have the the physique also it. i'm not a horse girl <laughs> they how many women jockeys are there Um,
1: I think the first female, the first woman to win was a few years ago.
0: Okay. Well.
1: Anyway, back to it. We didn't care about sport.
0: Yes. So the, but the thing with like the body autonomy is that I believe because when you are a professional sports person, special, a professional athlete, um, your body is like your tool, like it is what. It is everything. It is everything. Yes. It's like what you're using. It's like, no, I'm not going to make a lame analogy about a calculator. It's, (laughs) it's basically, you need, you need it it
1: is your success exactly it's like a singer's voice yes yes it's, that's a good
0: that's a better analogy i was like it's like a mathematician calculator <laughs> i literally was seeing that on it's my their brain. brain yeah that's true um, so that's what you are relying on which like does pose its own issues because you can't do that forever because you also are putting uh, particularly in like contact sports you're putting your body literally on the line and then putting it in danger which mm-hmm. then endangers your future in the sport blah blah but it is everything. And when you have a team, like Ash Barty has a team, um, they are then kind of in charge of your body. Like, I didn't feel this to an extreme extent, but I could definitely feel it starting. Particularly for me, the worst thing was, because I always enjoyed training, but I used to sit a few kilos above my weight class, um, which... A lot of people did. It wasn't unusual, but I competed at 72 kilos, which means you have to weigh in under 72, like 72.00 is the heaviest you can possibly be. Um, And I used to sit off season around 77. So every time coming into competition, I'd have to cut, lose five kilos um, in order to fit into the category. And when it came to time to cut and my coach was like, all right, time to cut, like time to start. I used to track calories on my fitness pal and like make sure that I, I had to make sure I was getting enough protein, but also cutting my calories back totally. Um, I would absolutely fucking hate that. And like, it would just, I, I would just feel like I'm doing it for someone who's not me, like not necessarily specifically. I'm doing this for my coach. It's just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to diet. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel as strong. Um, Like, you know, scientifically, like in terms of physics, you cannot move as much weight when you're, when you weigh less. Um, And so for me, I was just like, I don't have any control over this. It's just like something that I've been forced to do. And that might be a bit overdramatic. So basically if in... Uh, more serious competition in national and international competition. If you don't make weight, you don't get to compete. So it is, it is important. The most important thing really. Exactly. It's the, it was the most important thing because for me, I'm like, well, I did all of this training for like six months leading up the, in terms of my strength, what's done is done, but I could literally mess up the weight thing the day before by like eating, eating too much salt and like holding water or something like that. So it was just one of those things that I was just like, ugh. um, but in terms of an injury, it would be, I would see it as similar. Like if I, you know, got an injury and then my coach was like, but you still have to, you have to do it anyway. Like that would be really fucked up. Yeah. And I just don't think that at that level, um, athletes have any control over their body. Like it's not really theirs anymore. Is that why you quit? Ah, uh, no.
1: <laughs> I won't ask more on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the toxic environment that I mentioned had a bit to do with it, um, but the main thing was that it took so much time and, it, like, at the moment, like, it wouldn't, it was not really, it was no longer fully compatible with my lifestyle.
1: Do you think that, like, because professional sport is only something that you can do for so long that people feel like it's easier because it's like, well, there's an end, in, there's an end to this? Like, my career is only going to span in this sport for so long before, like, I'm not going to have to do this stuff.
0: But then they usually move on to, like, be coaches or commentators.
1: Yes, but then there's not that – you don't have to drop weight. You don't have to do those things. Obviously, you're engaged in the culture and the sort of toxicity around it. But, like, in terms of, like, the dieting and the competition and the times and, like, the pressure to perform – Um, in those times, like, do you think that because there's an end inside, it's more bearable or do you think that's just a lame excuse?
0: No, because uh, I don't think it makes it any better because, um, well, at least for me, it took me a long time. Like I made the decision to stop competing or to stop powerlifting over like two years. Mm -hmm. It took me so much to actually let it go. Powerlifting is something you can do. Like there are women who are 60, 65, like competing in powerlifting. So it really wasn't one of those sports. And because it wasn't at a professional level, it was kind of like, well, you just, like, women just keep getting stronger and stronger until they're in their 40s. Wow. Yeah. So it's not really... Empowered go-boss girl go <laughs> Girlboss with, like, usually a few surgeries under their belt, mm-hmm. um, statistically speaking. But I just think that, like, there's always going to be a sense, like, the day that you, you know, compete in your last competition is... Most likely like a really tragic day because the relationship that I had with my body after I decided to stop powerlifting, which again took years, was really, it was like tough. Why? Because the main thing for me is because everyone knew me, like powerlifting was basically my personality for a long time. And so everyone knew me as like Kristen, the powerlifter, and I look like a powerlifter. Like anytime I don't have sleeves on, people will like make something like say something about my physique um or like try and probe me until i eventually say i'm a powerlifter um so then i was still walking around with like pretty much that same body like i am fairly naturally um muscly and i i'm still like lifting weights just not to the same um, intensity and then people would ask about it and say like oh are you still powerlifting and then i'd have to say no Or they would ask like what kind of training I do and I would say oh just like normal training but I used to be a powerlifter like that's why I look like this oh but I don't do it anymore and it's kind of just a weird thing like why don't you anymore yeah like why did you give up you could have you know you could have taken it further like oh did you get injured no you didn't get injured why did you stop like it's just this really complicated it's because you can see it
1: it's still there and people are asking about it. But the thing is, is, like, people still do that now. They still identify that you're a muscular person. Like, yeah. Like, you still feel like you have to justify yourself all the time, but that's literally, ha- like, your body.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, like, when you're walking – when I'm walking around as a comms professional, people can't see that I'm a comms professional. Yes. Like, it's not obvious, but when it's, like – again, like, your body is, like, your whole career or, you like, in my case, I guess, more hobby – you can't hide it. Like, it's just there.
1: That's really interesting because I think it's different depending on the sport. Yeah. Like, if you think about a swimmer, Mm -hmm. right, I mean, obviously there's a kind of distinct look, um, and they're usually a tall person with broad shoulders. Yeah, big Um, lats. There's sort of like an upside-down triangle vibe to the way that they look, and they're usually, yeah, quite long, um, lanky with a bit of muscle. (laughs) Long boys, yeah. Right,
0: and other people.
1: But then again, it's like women who look like that are probably just like the model look in a way i mean sorry and i don't know that much about swimming or that look but like when i see the women who are professional athletes who swim i always think they're they're gorgeous like they're like they're the fit of like a model they're usually really long Mm -hmm. thin with a bit of muscle on their arms but they're quite lean yeah yeah um and i think like i mean if i was walking past someone on the street i would think Oh, my God. Like, they're just like, they look like a
0: model, right? You wouldn't think, is that a swimmer?
1: Yeah. No, I don't think I would. But then again, a lot of people say to me, like, you should be a swimmer. And it's because I say, I have men's 13. Like, my my feet are size men's 13. I say, (laughs) oh, flippers. (laughs) You'd be really good in that backstroke. And then that's it. But that's more just a reference.
0: Like, that's, like, the way that people joke about it. Like, you know. But... Well, uh. the other thing is I don't have, like... typical women's body so it's so like in your face like if you see like a muscly guy you don't think like must be a footy player no you don't but it's like why does this why does this woman have muscles that's that's unusual It's not just society telling her to do that so there must be a reason no exactly
1: that's what my my point was is like when you're a woman who's muscular there's an assumption that it's for a reason you must be a bodybuilder you must be this because yeah like there's just this question around like why would you want to be a muscly woman which is strange because everyone wants to be a muscly guy
0: yeah it's because, it. it's because men are supposed to be muscly, Bulkier. like big in a muscly way. It's interesting because when I see system. a woman with defined muscles, I'm like, fucker, that's impressive. But that's what I think. And also because I've like, I have built muscle and I know how hard it is. <laughs> there's what I, there's another thing that's so unrelated, but I'm just going to use this opportunity when people like talk about, you know, the whole thing about like, oh, you don't want to get bulky. It's like, do you understand how hard it is to get bulky? When they say that women, like when women say, oh. I don't want to lift weights because I don't want to get bulky. It's harder than that. Exactly. You can't just, like, do one fucking weight session at the gym and then come away bulky. Like, if only it was that easy. Ridiculous.
1: Well, I love your little nuances of, like, professional sport.
0: It just, it, because, like, I mean, the obvious, the obvious argument to it is, like, what's the problem with being bulky? Because, Mm. okay, I'm actually going to go into this because it really pisses me off. And I have a platform now. (laughs) Um, When people, so... Generally speaking, what I have seen from when there are critiques about women's strength training because they're going to get bulky, the most common response is like, well, actually, due to hormones, women don't get bulky like that. That's only men get that. And, okay, so I have tested my hormones, and they are perfectly normal. I do not have any more testosterone than the average woman or female. Um But I have, I am a lot more muscly than most women and that's just genetics. Like it's actually got nothing to do with my hormones because my hormones have no extra testosterone at all. And so I get bothered by that argument because it's like, first of all, it's not necessarily true because I'm like, you know, obviously a, an example of that. I was already pretty muscly before I started strength training. I started with a like high volume of muscle already and then the, because the thing is, like, and then also the thing about how, like, it's actually not that easy to, like, gain muscle, but what we should be talking about is that who fucking cares? Yeah. Like, what is the problem with women being muscly? Like, why would you make it into this argument and say that there's a problem with it? Because who cares? Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant. Okay. If you were Ash Barty um, and you found out that your coach had kept a lot, kept a secret about how bad your injury was... What would you think?
1: I actually wouldn't be bothered. I'd actually be pleased someone didn't tell me.
0: Interesting.
1: I know you'd completely disagree, but if I had just won Wimbledon, I know it's a big risk, but it paid mm-hmm. off perfectly. And I'm not saying that that's the reason she won, but it's complex. And the thing is, she's won. She's okay. She might take some time off. Like she Again, she basically in terms of her singles in the Olympics, she lost the first match and then she got bronze in the doubles. Yeah. Um, so like she's clearly had like a rest or she's, you know, working on that injury now. I think it depends. I, I, don't have the medical knowledge to know how bad it was, we don't know how bad it was. I think it depends on the veracity of, like, how big the lie is.
0: Well, I guess the thing is, like, for me, the problem is she should have been able to make that call about her own body. I know. That's my whole thing. But I do understand, like, in terms of where you are mentally, that's, like, on the day on the competition day, because you, again, like I said before, you've already done all the training on the competition day. It is much more important that you are mentally like perfect. Everything is great and excellent. So I see both sides of it, but I just think that I would be really pissed if I found out that someone knew something that they specifically did not tell me about my own body. Can I give you a metaphor? And you can argue why it's different, but I just want to see your answer. Mm -hmm. Say
1: you're, elected next election at federal level as an mp to parliament right incredible incredible labor wins Mm -hmm. you're an mp for labor
0: oh okay just (laughs) say
1: like you're in the winning side you're in cabinet something right you're like oh my god i cannot do this role unless hannah ferguson is my chief of staff Mm -hmm. you're like i will, i will die without her right (laughs) (laughs) you would be like obviously i will drop down (laughs) (laughs) a realistic So you hire me, yeah. I'm your chief of staff, I'm managing the office, I'm managing all the stuff, and I'm the communication point for a lot of things between everything that's happening in the electorate, a lot of parliamentary stuff, and you. Mm-hmm. There's a situation where I don't tell you something. Now, it's tough, because I don't know what the situation is. Mm-hmm. But there's not a way, there's not a possibility, where there's not a world in that situation where I you have the capacity to hear absolutely fucking everything. Okay. Like, there's obviously instances where stuff doesn't get communicated. It might not be considered important at the time, mm-hmm. but there's an active choice on what to tell you because I'm trying to filter information to you because there's too much on your plate. Right. I'm not your coach. of stuff isn't like that. Mm-hmm. But there's an element here of similarity in that there's no not a world where I can tell you every single fucking thing that ever happens. Mm-hmm. Right. But something you might need to know Mm -hmm. to make a decision about, right? Mm -hmm. And i failed to do that. But then the outcome is good. And then I say, oh, well, by the way, there's this whole other element, but the decision obviously ended up really good for you. How pissed at me would you be?
0: So if that happened, I would say, Hannah, please come into my office. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) I I would say, did you think that, thing wasn't important at the time and it kind of went under the radar or did you read it and think it's better that she doesn't know? I
1: would. I don't know what the situation is, but I think the second, because oftentimes, and this is what I find, and obviously this is different because it's a work scenario, but there are times where you say, like, I would rather not know. Yeah. So I think that's the approach that you'd want me to take in certain situations.
0: Yes, um, because like, say, okay, say I was making a speech about something and, you know, someone was going to be in the audience who yes. they knew, you knew absolutely hated me mm. for some reason or whatever the case may be, and I didn't know that person was in the audience, I would be glad that you didn't tell me.
1: Yes, because but it's, it's more mentally preparing you to do the speech, and if you see them during the speech, you're going to be less put off than if you knew beforehand.
0: Yes. So the difference for me is that that's my career and only my career, not my body. So say if this is a stretch... But say if I, okay, say that you told me that I have to wear stiletto heel, like small heeled shoes for my speech that I'm making. But you didn't tell me that there are tiny little holes in the floor that are bigger than the heel on my shoe and I could fall into it and break my ankle.
1: Well, that's fucked. I'd never
0: do that. But isn't that what Ash Barty's coach did? No. You don't think? No, I think it's the same. I just can't see heels as the same. I think it's the same. Am I being ridiculous? No, I one hundred percent think. You are, but think I can't it's... quite pick why. hundred percent. Okay. What about another one? So you get your car, you pick up your car from the mechanic, Here and there's go. actually something fucking wrong with it. And the the guy's like, the person, the person's like, nah, it's great, in great shape. This would be perfect. You can take it on but the I highway don't on think your think That's what happened. They, what they about didn't this? know. Yeah, true.
1: I think it is, right? The mechanic says there's something wrong and you say, yeah, I can feel it when I'm driving, but the severity is not clarified.
0: But so he knows saying, it's really you bad. You won't
1: die on the road, but something's bad. But I don't know how bad it was. No, but he doesn't tell you that's the thing. But you're like, maybe. You- He's like, I'd probably be fine. But what if it's out of a 10, right? You're told it's a three and it's a five. It depends on the difference. Yeah, maybe. It cannot be more than a three-point difference in my mind. Okay, it cannot be if I'm wearing six
0: and it's a th- If I'm, I'm wearing my tiny shoes, there's a good chance I may not fall down the holes. No, there's not. If you're walking over a fucking grate... <laughs> no, it's not going- a grate. It's not a grate. It's just a couple holes. Low chance that I would fall. Everything would have to line up perfectly. I would say watch out for those holes. <laughs> That's exactly...
1: What if you didn't? But it's not the same. I'm sorry the sledus isn't the same.
0: If there's two okay, holes fine, in a fucking I arena, be, I thought it would be a fun example. <laughs> depends on the odds. It's a fun example. <laughs> because I mean,
1: it's about the points. In my mind, if there's a a scale and your injury is a 6 and you're told it's a 3, that's fucked. If it's a 5 and you're told it's a 3, I'm I'm it's bearable to me.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Cuz the way that I what I thought about it and I'm not I'm making assumptions is like potentially if something happened at Wimbledon, that could have been the last game of tennis she ever played. Yes, I agree. And if that was the case, I think she should be told, but I don't think that was the case. Because that's what I, and I didn't, I just assumed, I just I just went into like a thought, I, my thoughts after this was like, what if that was the, the but then, hole, yeah. because the problem with that is like, it's also would be really fucked up to sit an athlete down before they're about to go out and play the finals at Wimbledon and be like, your hips really fucked up. This might be the last game you ever play.
1: You wouldn't say that. You would stop it before it happened. So my understanding and my perception of what happened is that they knew it wasn't that bad. Cuz they would I don't think any person would knowingly send someone out
0: like that. We need to know
1: more about the injury.
0: We do. We're making a lot of assumptions that I think we're it's just more hypothetical. For example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is where it started. Um but the other thing is when you like engage with when you engage a coach um you know maybe a manager um, a physio, all of these people, you kind of are handing over a lot of stuff to them. And it just makes it more complicated because it is your, your body. Yeah. Um, because if you have, I don't know, like if you're a CEO and you have a personal assistant, you hand over a lot of stuff to them and you give them a lot of responsibility, but it's not really the same because it's not your physical body. Yeah. It's your business. So I don't know. It is complicated. I would never want to be in the position of that coach or any coaches who have to make those calls. I just can't lie. Yeah. But again, I can't exaggerate or I can't <laughs> So that's
1: the difference for me.
0: Yeah. Yep. It, it's just, I don't know. For me, if I found that out, I'd be like, that should have been my call. But maybe that's not the mindset of a winner. But maybe they had a, an agreement. They probably did. Yeah. They probably did. Um, but I would never make that agreement. Yeah, neither. Oh, no, I would. I would make that agreement. But I'm such a control freak that I'd be like, but how do I know they're going to... Like, if I said, only if it's really bad, only if it's really, like, high stakes, then you make the... Really bad. No, I mean, like, for Wimbledon, like, that's really important, I mean, like, stakes are high. I shouldn't have said bad. Stakes are really high. Wimbledon, not just, like, some random game.
1: I don't think they would have let her go to some random game. I think exactly, because the, the risk-reward factor benefit. Ah, uh,
0: but for me, like, what is what is winning Wimbledon if you have a broken leg? Mm. Oh, I guess leg is fine. Nah, uh, I don't know. Great so this conclusion. Is, this is another IDK. <laughs> IDK. End. And this is another reason why I, like, obviously didn't make it long term because I'm not willing to. It's not. I'm not willing to like. Like a lot of like winning ath- you know, high class athletes are like they will do anything. Yeah. But I just won't do anything. There's lots of stuff I won't do. Yeah. I barely even want to die and lose five kilos. <laughs> like I definitely can't do it. I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> so, I guess you could just say that I have the mindset of a loser. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you found us just totally relatable and quirky, come back next Wednesday for a new episode.
0: Until then, head to cheekmedia.com.au to tide you over until then. Bye. Ha <laughs> ha